Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, it's Nancy Yearald, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And today, Dr. Lori Nadell is here, and she's going to be talking about the five gifts. And I'm really excited to have her on the show today. Um, her book is The Five Gifts, Discovering Hope, Healing, and Strength When Disaster Strikes. And if you're watching me on YouTube today, I'm holding her book up, and I'm sure you can pick this up on Amazon. But before I bring Lori on, let's talk about what's happening with humanity. You know, it's difficult to watch the news these days, but even though this show's recorded, we're going to talk about humanity. And I pulled this up. It says Biden lays out the COVID strategy, the first full day in office. And this comes from Washington. It says President Joe Biden laid out his plan to combat the coronavirus pandemic on his first full day in office warning Americans that the worst is still to come. Wow. Let me be clear, Mr. Biden said during the event at the White House, things are going to continue to get worse before they get better. The president signed 10 executive orders to vastly expand testing and vaccine availability with the goal, goal of administrating 100 million vaccines um, by the end of April. He invoked the Defense Production Act to compel federal agencies and manufacturers to increase key supplies needed to fight the virus and implemented new travel restrictions meant to curb its spread. Um, Lori, I haven't brought you on yet, but what do you think about all this? You're pretty involved in the COVID thing, huh? Yeah, I lead two support groups for long-haul COVID patients. One is with uh, firefighters with the long COVID, and the other is for anyone who's been sick with COVID uh, past the immediate acute phase. That one is open to anyone and you can find out about it and register at pulmonarywellness.org. It's a not-for-profit foundation nice. and all our services are free. Um, what uh, we're finding, it, it, there are several layers to this pandemic. I, I was calling it a, a triple strand pandemic. Uh, firstly, it's what we call a disaster of uncertainty mm -hmm. because in, unlike other events, say 9-11 or um, a natural disaster, it has a be beginning, a middle and an end. And it can take a long time to recover psychologically from the specific event. There are many you know, permutations. Do you agree with what Biden says that it's going to get worse before it gets better? Do you, Absolutely. Do you really? You think that too? Well, Why, we Why do you think that? Because there's a new strain of virus, which is 50 to 70% more contagious, and it's killing more people. And you have a strong anti-vax movement um, in this country, and people who walk around without masks and who don't believe that you know, there are any kind of uh, hygiene measures that can keep themselves and other people safe. They go into high contagion situations, as we've seen um, in many of the protests, demonstrations, you see people partying, and then more and more people get sick because this is a more highly contagious virus. It's going to afflict many, many more people. That's crazy. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I always like to bring out some good news. So, Lori, we're going to talk about some good news now. 
<laughs> well, I, I think, oh, I'm sorry. I think it's good news if people pay attention. It I is good news is- if people pay attention. But the, the bad news on that one is that it, there is another strain and that it is more contagious. So that's the part that really freaks me out. And yes, you're correct. People do need to social distance and wear the mask and, and do what they need to do um, to make sure that we can get this thing under control. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, my good news is that there are salmon spawning for the first time in 80 years in the upper right. Columbia River. Hey, mm-hmm. so tribal biologists have confirmed that Chinook and steelhead salmon are spawning in the upper Columbia River system in Washington state for the first time in 80 years. The discovery of 36 reds, okay, along a prime eight mile spawning stretch of a tributary of the Columbia called the San San Pool River confirmed the Colville tribe's suspicions. So this is really cool. It was a shock at first, they say. Then um, they were overcome with complete joy and they were so excited to see them come back. So this hasn't happened since, gosh, the dams were built in the 1930s. So, hey, we got a little bit of good news out there for us um, today. So anyway, I'm excited to have Dr. Laura here today. She, um, Lori Nadell is here. She's a journalist for the first, oh gosh, for 20 years. Um, She's a specialist in acute stress, trauma, and anxiety issues. She is considered a thought leader in the emerging field of acute stress and PTSD. So from trauma to addictions, through workshops, lectures, and one-on-one sessions, her focus is helping people find new ways to heal. Welcome to High Road to Humanity. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me as your guest. I'm excited you're here today. Your book was really interesting, um, but tell us your story. I mean, because you were you were a journalist and then you saw uh, a lot of people going through disasters. I mean, what prompted you to write this? Well, there are a lot of um, events that happened uh, in my own life, uh, but mainly I spent 20 years in uh, as a journalist, as a field reporter, and working in newsrooms the last 10 years in CBS News. And uh, I became aware after uh, watching sometimes dozens of disasters a day coming in on satellite feeds from all over the world that people whose lives were shattered by sudden violent events would need some kind of special care and attention in order to recover. And uh, what happened was I burned out uh, covering the Iran-Contra hearings back in the 80s and I developed a chronic fatigue syndrome, an Epstein-Barr kind of virus. And uh, because there was no way to treat it with conventional medicine, uh, I started learning about meditation and Chinese medicine, and I was able to recover in about half the time as most people recover from that illness. And decided at that point that I would go back to school and uh, I received, uh, I earned two doctorates, uh, one in cognitive psychology and one in uh, clinical hypnotherapy and uh, opened a practice in 1990, 1991, helping people recover from traumatic events, which was at that point kind of a, it was a very new field and there weren't a lot of people looking into that. Mm -hmm. So it's been my privilege over the last 30 years uh, to work with teenagers whose fathers were killed in the World Trade Center attack, uh, to do work with first responders and teachers after the Parkland shootings and in my own community, after I lost my own home to a hurricane, to help uh, people in my community recover psychologically from the trauma of losing their homes. Mm-hmm. That's really crazy. You went into this work and then it happened to you. Um, we've got about 
six minutes or so before we go to commercial. Tell us what happened to you personally. My house was destroyed um, in 20 minutes. I had uh, four feet of water, three and a half feet of water come in uh, to my little beach cottage on a barrier island outside of uh, New York City. Okay. Long Island. And uh, everything, everything that I built um, as a single mom was wiped out. Uh, the, my, my washing machine was floating. Oh my God. Uh, that's, that's the force <laughs> of the water that was coming in. Um, but the couch, I had a big, heavy couch that was floating. It was bobbing up and down. It was like, it was like the movie Titanic in my house. Wow. And then uh, when the water receded, it, we learned that the sewage pump for the town had broken during the storm surge. And so everything, the soil, all my potted plants that I brought in to rescue, my library, um, you know, any artifacts that I collected from spiritual healers during my travel, everything was destroyed. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, when I tweet, or I say to people who are preparing for a hurricane, you know, be prepared because the hardest moment, one of the hardest moments of your life will be when you walk in and see the damage after the storm has passed. You know, I wonder if it changed you to the point where you started to realize, because I've gotten like this in the last, gosh, probably year I moved and I have all this stuff. And I started to realize that the stuff wasn't important. You know, yeah. I could get more stuff. I mean, I know you said you had artifacts and I'm like that too. I mean, I collect rocks. I'm a rock collector. <laughs> you know, everybody's got their thing. But um, I don't know. It, you start to realize that maybe you can start to travel a little lighter and maybe the stuff is not as important. Did you get to that point, you know, with all this happening? Well, you? I was kind of relieved, actually. Okay, um, that's funny. You know, I mean, I, I, I just kind of looked at it and I said, well, this is, uh, I'd been studying Buddhism and meditating since the 1980s. And I said, well, you know, here's a teaching on impermanence. Mm. I mean, everything that you thought that you had built that was, you know, solid um, right. of the structure, you know, and all the things that you invested, you know, that had meaning, you know, purpose and meaning that you had collected, that I had collected over the years, uh, which it was just gone. And I felt a kind of relief mm -hmm. because now I wouldn't have to decide what to do with it or was I going to pack it when I moved or was I going to store it? I mean, it was just that the decision was kind of made for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt also that, um, you know, one of the messages, I guess, that I received from a spirit during the storm was that I could carry the feeling of my home in my heart oh. and that I didn't physically need to have this particular home. I had, I had actually become overly attached to that house. Ah, that's and true, I yeah. Never, yeah. never liked to leave it. I mean, it was the most comfortable place for me in the entire universe. And I'd actually become kind of socially phobic. I didn't like to go anywhere. And I remembered that when I was in my twenties, when I owned very little, um, I kind of lived like a gypsy and uh, there was a journalist. I traveled around and I carried, you know, just about everything I owned in a little suitcase and a shoulder bag. And I remembered uh, I, I know how to be a gypsy and I guess uh, I have to step back into that and enjoy the sense of everything being new again. Right. And so kind of it, it opened me up for that sense of discovery and, uh, and being more prepared to expect the unexpected. Yeah. 
You know, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking about, I was looking at my notes because in your book, you wrote, you had talked to um, Dr. Wayne Dyer and, you know, he's, and, and you interviewed him. And then there's a quote that says, when you're, when you're sitting at your table, so to speak, and you feel so comfortable, that's when God rips off the tablecloth. And as you're speaking, that's what that reminded me of that quote, because that's what happened to you. You were too comfortable. So God ripped off the tablecloth and he said, no. That's right. And God said, uh, yeah. you know, you're not meant to be here anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll find some something else for you to do someplace else for you to go. But um, huh. and, and I really felt that, you know, that that, that rupture uh, with the connection that I had to the house so that even when I had it rebuilt so that I could sell it, uh, the soul of the house was gone after that night. And I knew that I would never go back there. That's so, crazy. Um, I also didn't want to live with the threat of another water event happening right. down the road because it was very close to the water. And uh, that had always been my dream to live near the water. And um, mm -hmm. sometimes it's a beautiful thing and sometimes it can be kind of terrifying. So both are yeah. true. Yeah. How funny. Wow. Hey, listen, um, you guys, I'm here today with Lori Nadal. We're getting ready to go to commercial break. Her book is called The Five Gifts, and we're going to talk about those five gifts on the show. So um, share this show. Um, let your friends know about it because, you know, we've all been through a lot of trauma and uh, this will be very helpful. Okay. So this is Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity, and we will be right back. Hang on, we have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book a session with Nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yearout, and I'm joining with Compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Let's hit the 
Hi, it's Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm back here with Laurie Nadal. She's a PhD. She's got a fabulous book out. Hey, Dan Rather wrote your uh, foreword. How cool is that? Amazing. I mean, Amazing talk Dan. about that for a minute. Do you mind? I just think it's oh, awesome. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Dan has been my writing mentor for many years. Uh, oh, wow. I, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> it keeps encouraging me to keep writing and uh he kind of pushed me uh, to get this book out. So I'm nice. very grateful to him. Nice. Well, and I think you're helping a lot of people because you go through the book and you talk about different things that are really important. You tell your story and then you talk about in trauma, there are different um, things that you have to go through, you know, after the aftermath, you even talk about the Las Vegas shooting, you, you interview a lot of people, um, out of all the different people that you interviewed, I mean, what was some of the most compelling stories, would you mind telling the audience some of the stories of the interviews you did? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, there is a chapter, chapter three, which is um, about first responders, because I think that really one of the purposes of the book was to look at how different cultures explore or recover from, uh, you know, any kind of disaster, war, living under dictatorship, um, any kind of uh, situation where um, our, our rights or our survival needs are threatened. And um, I got to interview some absolutely amazing people, uh, including a, a friend of mine who had been a, a, an ambulance driver for UNICEF in Rwanda during the genocide. And he spoke about having to lead rituals for forgiveness uh, on national television so that the killers could come in uh, and, and receive justice, but also to be reintegrated into Rwandan society. Wow. So I think that it's really, you know, a, a profound importance that we begin to look at countries that have been severely divided through politics, through class wars, mm -hmm. uh, through racial, you know, uh, from apartheid or racial war, genocide, and that we, we learn from these models of reconciliation that they've had in South Africa and Rwanda. Uh, we need to look at uh, other cultures like indigenous cultures, that have humility and patience when it comes with dealing with natural disasters, because um, they believe it has to do with that our relationship with Mother Earth is out of balance, mm -hmm. and that when we learn to listen to nature, uh, we can be more respectful. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's also a very beautiful message. So I've been very privileged to study with spiritual healers in a number of different countries, and. What's interesting is that they all say the same thing, no matter what language they speak, no matter what uh, conditions they're living in, whether it's a hut in the jungle or whether it's uh, a house you know, outside of a major capital city. And they, they all say that all of nature speaks and that you know, they kept saying, you in the North, you people in the North or the industrialized world, you've forgotten how to listen. Right. And so nature right. is angry. Right. And right. nature is going to keep getting louder and louder. They call the mother of the mother earth, they call her Pachamama, and they call the mother of the sea, they call her Yamanja. And they say, you know, that the mothers are angry and they will speak more and more loudly, uh, you know, as, as, as the climate change issues or as the, um, as the environmental issues become more severe. One way to look at that is that our spiritual relationship with the forces of nature is, is, uh, has really dissolved over the years right. because right. 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 You know, I'm going to 
it's really funny you would be talking about this because last week I had a gentleman on from Mexico and he's a healer and he taught us on the show how to connect with Mother Earth. And uh, he talked about the statues that you see and how there's always one foot in front of the other and there's always a fist up. And that was like a signal for us to connect with Mother Earth. And you're exactly right. I mean, you are right on, Lori, because we have totally lost our connection. And I think there are people who are connecting. That's why I do the show like you, like me. I mean, there are people out there talking about this stuff. There are people who are raising their consciousness and, but you're correct. I mean, we have totally lost, you know, like people are like, why is this going on? I mean, seriously, don't you think after a while, you know, the earth, I mean, the earth is alive, you know, don't you think after a while, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna react and that's what's happening here. And I think the more that we become aware and conscious, then things will start to change. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's important that we have a um, environmental consciousness movement that's global, that's growing. Um, if you talk about good news, you know, and at the beginning of a new administration, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, Accord is huge. Um, I think it's just really important that each of us pay attention to our own individual relationship with our surroundings, with the natural environment and that we spend time, you know, with each of these five gifts that we can talk about, um, there is uh, each gift corresponds to an element in nature. Okay. And I recommend that, you know, that we spend time uh, with that element, even if it's just looking at a glass of water or looking at a flower where you can connect to the earth by meditating on the flower or the glass of water um, or, you know, light a candle or just do something very simple that will, will build that heart connection to nature, because many of us live in cities where we don't have, you know, huge expanses of of, uh, of earth. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have a lot of parks. Uh, we may not have access to water, uh, a lake, or an ocean. But we can bring those elements into our home environment, mm -hmm. and they will help us to um, honor that sacred connection that people have had for you know thousands of years yeah. in many many different cultures uh, throughout history. I'm glad you're talking about this because everybody that comes on my show, I mean, the majority, I've got a lot of spiritual people and they all talk about connecting to the divine and that's great, but you're the second person in the last couple of weeks. So we must be needing to get in the message out here to connect to mother earth because, and it's interesting because mother earth is what provides us with our water and our food and all of these things. And we don't even think of it that way. We don't even think of giving back to what the earth is giving us. So it's quite interesting um, to hear you say these things. And I agree wholeheartedly. You know, you talk about the five gifts and I wanna kind of get started on those. One, the first one you talk about is humility. Be humble. Um, I can remember some guy I was dating when I was much younger and I just thought I was hot stuff. And he looked at me and he says, you know, you need to humble yourself. <laughs> and you know what? I never forgot it. Because, you know, sometimes we all get out there and we get full of ourselves. And, you know, that's something that's really happened in our society. So um, the quote that I wrote down here says, we become humble when the world shakes us to our roots and we begin to examine what's important in our life. What do you think, Lori? 
I think it's absolutely true. And I think, again, you know, we talk about these disasters, which are humbling, if nothing else, mm-hmm. because we, we realize that uh, there are things in life that happen to us that are not within our control. We cannot prevent them. We cannot cure them. You know, we, we just have to come to terms with sometimes unspeakable events that happen and that takes time and the gift of humility and the gift of humility basically helps us. It gives us the grace to accept things that we cannot change. And uh, most of the time, these are things that were not our faults. I mean, we didn't create them with visualization or negative thinking. God isn't punishing us. You know, these, this is just part of the cycle of life. Mm-hmm. And when we speak to people, when I speak to people from many, many different countries around the world, um, most other countries, parents will give their children um, a, a different mindset about life in general. And that in any given lifespan, we have cycles of hardship and cycles of abundance and cycles of illness and cycles of health and cycles of war and cycles of peace. And you know, if you live long enough, you're going to experience a number of these cycles and it's not because you did anything wrong Um, it's not because somebody's trying to punish you. It's because that's just part of life. And learning, we're learning. That's right. And that's the humility is to, um, in some ways, okay, this is happening to me. Like after the hurricane, um, the abuse that, you know, if you've ever been through a natural disaster, you get lied to, you get conned, um, you know, you have the the banks, the insurance company, but it's, it's just all a big game to them. And uh, when I would start to get upset, I would remember this isn't happening to you. This is happening to a million people right now. And so that humility, that looking at the big picture is that, you know, we're all part, a part of our human journey is to experience um, the ocean of suffering. And if we look at, you know, many different religions, but I, I practice as a Buddhist, that the Buddha said that the first noble truth is that to be human means that there will be some suffering along the way. And that humility gives us the grace to kind of stay open and connected to other people uh, while we're going through something like this pandemic, uh, which which also carries with it, um, you know, kind of the the mental health piece, the social isolation piece. I mean, it's it's a huge amount of um, hardship for people to deal with all, all over the world. But in this country, uh, we're not used to long periods of hardship. You know, we want everything to be over right away. And uh, this is a this is what called a disaster of uncertainty because we we don't have a clear timeline. We're getting there, thank God, but we don't have one yet. Yeah. And so being humble allows us to accept with grace that you know we're we're in a period of hardship, we're in a period of turbulence, and there's uncertainty, but we'll get through it. Because you know we're, we've gotten through other other cycles before, right. and our ancestors have gotten through other cycles before. Right. And surviving hardship is part of our DNA as humans. So you know we'll and, and that's that humility of feeling our humanity as we go through these things. Right. That everyone is is in this universally right now, yeah. and so that we're collectively you, in it. We're all right. in it together. Yeah, right. and and I've I've said on the show that I think it happened for a reason to make us sit still, to make us go within. And so um, we'll talk about that more. Hey, you guys, got to go to commercial break. I'm here today with Laurie Nadal. She's a PhD. Her book is called The Five Gifts. If you're watching me on YouTube, I'm holding it up. You can pick it up on Amazon. Hey, what's your website, Laurie? 
my website is laurienadel.com. Okay, you guys, you. you can find her there. This is Nancy Yerout. This is High Road to Humanity, and we will be right back. Hang on, we have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30-minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Hold your head up, the world is coming. Watch the colors lift your soul. Do you struggle with knowing the right food for your lifestyle? Is there really a one right way to eat? As a chronic dieter, I was always so confused by the food rules and the fad diets. Where to even start? That's why I decided to go into health coaching. As your health coach, I will help you find the solution that is right for you. I will help you find balance. Unlike most dietitians and nutritionists, I focus on a whole person approach, not just food. I address stress, sleep patterns, underlying root issues, and so many other contributing factors to health. And as a mental illness survivor, I love talking about ways to fire up brain health. If you're interested in learning more and maybe even a complimentary consultation, contact me at www.sparkingwholeness.com or message me on Instagram through the handle sparkingwholeness. And now let's get back to the show. We'll be right back on High Road to Humanity. Make sure you subscribe to the hey, podcast it's Nancy on Hero. iTunes, I'm here today with Lauren Nadal. We're talking about Nancy's some website, deep stuff here, but Nancy it's good Yerout. stuff. Com, and so um, never miss I'm really glad that you, that you wrote this and that you're talking about these things. I really believe in humility and, you know, um, we've lost so much in our country. You know, when I grew up, we had integrity and we had honesty and, you know, our name meant something and all these things have gotten lost and gosh, I'd really like to see it come back, you know, and, and humility is, and to be humble, you don't see it anymore. People aren't humble. They're so full of themselves and they're so full of ego. So it's so nice that you bring these um, things up because it's important. Um, the next thing you talk about is patience. You say mm. the element of fire, it takes time. This is what God's teaching me right now, but we talk about patience, Lord. <laughs> Well, I have to say, I'm the most impatient person in the world. So when I started to write this chapter, I, I ran into like a writing block that I've never had in my career. And it took me like two weeks before I could even sit down and face writing this chapter. It was excruciating because I had to face my own impatience. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can skip this chapter. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but the, the, the second gift is really what allows us to accept that sometimes um, these losses and these unexpected hits can come back in ways we don't expect. A year later, two years later, we might find that we're still experiencing some sorrow. We may find that we're still experiencing moments of anger. You know, these are what we call delayed grief reactions, or sometimes we call them stug, <clears throat> excuse me, which means a sudden temporary upsurge of grief where you kind of feel that you're reliving it or with something traumatic. 
Um, you can you can have a flashback. You could be standing, you know, on a supermarket line, and suddenly your body can feel as though it's re-experiencing um, a, a moment of loss or a moment of tragedy. And patience is the gift that just allows us to accept that we're human, and that healing is not a straight line. You know, we don't have we don't have a timetable. Everyone heals in her or his own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, patience is a tough one for me too. You know, and I think that comes from our society. I mean, we've always, you know, I've always like, oh, hurry up, get it done, get it done, and get it done. And and when you're in that, it's really hard to have patience, you know. But patience, like they say, is a virtue. <laughs> My mom used to say that patience is a virtue. Mm-hmm. And um, I think as you get older, it gets a little bit easier. I don't know. What do you think? Maybe. Bit. I think that life teaches you that we don't control everything and, and that once we once we have the humility to accept that we're not in control of everything that happens to us um, and sometimes things take time, um, then you know, we, we allow ourselves to receive the gift of patience. Uh, but I always say when I when I give talks, I ask people, would you rather have the gift of patience or a million followers on Twitter? And only one person has ever said, I'd rather have patience. <laughs> No, I'd rather have patience because you know what? And it's interesting because God knows what's better for us and we don't. And uh, you can call it higher power, whatever I call him God. And the thing is, a lot of times it's for our own good and we don't even realize it. That's right. You know, That's right. and so it's, it's interesting how all this works, how this master plan is all set up. So, um, yeah, that's something that people could do and could use. And with this COVID, we're being made to be patient. I will say that right. because yeah. people and people want to cheat. People want to go out and go to the bar and people want to go to the restaurants and they want to do all this stuff. It's almost like cheating. You know, it's like, oh, I can do it. It doesn't matter. I can do it anyway. And it's really interesting because to watch the dynamics of this, because a lot of people, you know, you've got one, uh, you know, side of the spectrum that's afraid to go anywhere. And the other side that says, Hey, it's okay. I can go wherever I want, you know, but there is a happy medium there. I think in this whole, maybe balance, um, with this whole thing, go do what you have to do, but do it, you know, in a proper fashion, I think. Um, anyway, so we all have to find our own way of navigating this. Yeah. And, you know, we all have to find our, our own balance between um, the isolation and being careful because isolation is a stress amplifier. So uh, people who have chronic illnesses, for example, experience uh, social isolation over the long term because you're not in the normal social flow of your life. But now this is kind of this, these kind of universal lockdowns and quarantines um, are creating, I think, a whole subpopulation of people who are literally afraid to leave their house and for whom isolation is becoming a very serious way of life. And that leads to um, social anxiety, social phobias. Um, I'm hearing from parents, their kids are becoming addicted to video games. They're not talking to their parents anymore. They just want to shut themselves in and live through, you know, whatever their online gaming activities are. So um, not to mention, you know, other issues that that come up when you're confined to quarters. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a lot for us to be looking at um, as individuals and as, as, a, as a culture and as a society. But patience, I think, is really uh, the key to um, unwinding the places where we get stuck and trying to kind of find a better sense of flow as we as we kind of navigate the twists and turns of uh, this COVID pandemic. 
Well said. Yeah. Hey, are you, the next gift you talk about is empathy. And I wrote down this quote from the Dalai Lama that you have in your book. It says, the more we the more we care for the happiness of others, the greater is our sense of well-being. And um, that's so profound because we've forgotten about everybody else. We were me, me, me. It's become a me, me society, huh? For a long time, um, mm -hmm. definitely for a long time. And, uh, you know, that, I think that's why at the usually at the beginning of any disaster, um, you have, you know, what first responders call the mission cycle or the help cycle or the empathy cycle. And you see, you know, all of the merchandising on television is all about, you know, empathy, hashtag empathy. We support empathy. We support first responders. We support healthcare workers. And then by six weeks, you know, they've moved on to another store. The cameras have moved on. The advertisers have moved on. And empathy becomes kind of a forgotten term. When we're going through, when we're recovering from any kind of traumatic event, we need empathy for the long haul because, mm -hmm. and I know this isn't going to sound like good news, but the reality is it takes a few years to fully recover from a traumatic event. And by traumatic, I mean something that involved loss of life or threatened loss of life. Uh, when we say, oh, I had such a traumatic you know, argument with somebody, um, that's really not what trauma is. You know, trauma means that something life-threatening has occurred, um, and it can be loss of your job because then that affects your ability to survive and take care of yourself and your family. And so, you know, I said trauma is not a bad hair day, but if we're going to get through it collectively, then we need empathy for the long haul. You know, we need to understand that some people will get over it. Uh, relatively quickly. Some people will have delayed reactions and after the first anniversary, they may find themselves grieving for what they lost. And I can give you an example. Yeah. Um, when lockdown came, I, I had an office um, in Greenwich Village for 30 years. It was oh, a part-time wow. office. Yeah. And uh, when lockdown came, it was like an iron gate just came like right down, slammed, slammed down and kind of truncated what my, uh, my, my, professional identity was, my office identity, the uh, presence that I had in that particular neighborhood for 30 years, uh, my, my professional lifestyle. And, um, and it was a shock. And it wasn't until a few months later that I realized that I was grieving for the, not just the loss of the physical office, but the loss of that presence, the loss of the connecting with people in person. And that I actually was going through a, a mourning process because that way of life is pretty much over. I mean, I, I, I will never go back to it, right. but I didn't plan it and I wasn't anticipating it and I wasn't ready for it. Um, and so that, you know, that that's something where we have to realize that we also need empathy for ourselves mm -hmm. for the long haul. And that, you know, maybe a year or two from now, I might find myself suddenly feeling like a surge of grief for the loss of the uh, office but it actually hit me more now as we're approaching the first anniversary, the realization that that chapter, that 30 year chapter of my professional life is over. The grieving is more likely to hit me now because I was in shock for year one. Ah. So very often people think the first anniversary is going to be a big release. And for many people it is, mm. and it's an important marker. But for many, many people, and in this case, we're talking about millions of people, the, the beginning of the second year after a disaster um, be, begins the onset of a grieving process. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's something to kind of keep in mind. And so we need to have empathy for ourselves and others because it takes a while. It takes a few years to fully come, come out of into a full recovery from dealing with these losses. Interesting. Yeah. And I never, I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't have thought that. I would thought time, they always say time heals. And I guess it does to a certain degree, but you know. It's not a straight line. I mean, there's a thing yeah. that, that people, people have long COVID, people I'm working with, you know, sometimes you heal and, you know, you take two steps forward and you take three steps backward, or, you know, you go for a walk for, or you walk for a mile and you haven't been able to walk for a long time and then you have a relapse. So, you know, it, it's, it's a squiggly line. Yeah. And uh, looking at uh, images on the news can also cause a secondary form of... I know, don't watch the news. <laughs> and that's a funny thing. Yeah, because, and I have to say, I watch the news and I, and I want to throw this out to you real quick before we go to our next commercial break. But, you know, it's hard because you have to watch the news. And I always tell people, you need to be informed. You need to know what's going on. But you don't have to be glued to it. And you don't have to, you know, and you take everything with a grain of salt, you know, that type of thing. So what's your feeling on that real quick before we... I, I always tell people, take a news break. Yeah. If you're getting triggered, if it's upsetting, turn it off, turn off the television, turn off the computer, turn off your phone, mm-hmm. you know, take a news break at least 24 hours, no news, do something fun for yourself, yes. do something relaxing, talk to a friend, hang out with your pet, but really take, take, take frequent breaks from the news because it is overwhelming it and is. it will cause a kind of, it can cause a vicarious trauma reaction uh, because it's it's deeply upsetting to see many of the things that that we're that you know that that we that we see and hear and feel when we're exposed to those images. Right. Hey guys, we're going to commercial break. I'm here today with Lauren Nadell. She's a PhD. Her book is The Five Gifts. When we come back, we're going to talk about the fourth and the fifth gift. All right, you guys. This is Nancy Urell. This is High Road to Humanity. Hang on, we have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30 minutes coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better? To create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me. And I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up. The universe is speaking to you. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you.
the millions of women each month who listen to Wise Health for Women Radio. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Join us for revitalizing conversations on fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging new, healthier perspectives. You provide a special spark to those around you, and you manage many roles, entrepreneur, mom, wife, coach, friend, daughter, and more. Here's a great way to inspire and nurture you. On Wise Health for Women Radio, host Linda Crater and her amazing guests share how to move toward your wishes and dreams and find what is possible in your busy life. If not today, then when? Take steps to flourish over 40. Join us on Wise Health for Women Radio, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on iTunes, and more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Helping women thrive. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, it's Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm here with Lori Nadal. We're going to talk about the fourth and fifth gifts in her book. Um, you guys got to pick this up. It's really good. She's got great stories in here. Um, I just kind of read a lot of these um, stories, you know, that you put in here about different people. And I just thought it was really cool. And thanks for sharing all this stuff with us. There was something in here that really hit home to me. Uh, here we are. You put in here, I love this, Lori. You don't even know I'm going to read this, but I am. Um, you put in the prosperity prayer. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen this in a long time. And I'm just going to read it real quick. Because unless, do you have your book handy? No, no. I'm okay, then I'm going to read it real quick. Because you guys, everybody's going through a lot right now with the COVID and everything. And, you know, me too. I mean, I'm going into different directions and this really hit home. So I want to share it with the audience. And here we go. She put it on her book, in her book, it's on page 122, the prosperity prayer. And this is um, from Lynn Robinson. Um, It's her prayer um, that she's put together, I guess, in 2001. So it says, dear God or spirit or universe. I surrender my financial affairs and concerns about money to your divine care and love. I ask that you remove my worries, anxieties, and fears about money and replace them with faith. I know and trust that my debts will be paid and money will flow into my life. I have only to look to nature to see proof of the abundance you provide. I release all negative thoughts about money and know that prosperity is my true state. I commit to being grateful for all that I now have in my life. I learn to manage my finances wisely, seeking help where needed. And finally, I ask you to help me understand my purpose in life, to act on that purpose with courage and strength. I know that prosperity will come in part by doing the work I love. Please help me use my skills and knowledge to be of service in the world. Thank you, God. Amen. What a profound prayer. And thank you for that. Thank you. Well, I'm going to thank Lynn for that. Uh, I've actually uh, I've written a chapter in a book called uh, Financial Trauma and Institutional Betrayal. And uh, what happens to many people during a disaster 
is that they learn that the institutions that are supposed to provide for them or provide for us mm-hmm. uh, are, are withholding money or they're making you jump through so many hoops or they're, um, they, they, take, they give you money and then they take it away for various reasons. For example, if you've had a tornado or hurricane or a fire and you get an insurance settlement, the bank that holds your mortgage will seize your check uh, because they're listed as a, a code. The, the insurance company makes out the check to whoever owns your mortgage and you and you, the, the, the bank will put it in a reserve fund and they will only dole it out to you in installments if you meet their criteria and they will harass you by, by demanding that you keep sending in the same paperwork over and over and over. Now, I thought this was just happening to me, but then I read in the newspaper that this was happening to everybody. Wow. So, um, wow. it, you know, there, there's a certain, um, it's almost like there's an intention to uh, harass people to the point that a certain percentage of people will just give up. They'll walk away. Well, they don't want to pay. They don't want to pay. Let's just say it like it is. I mean, all these big insurance companies, they just don't want to pay when it comes, they'll take your money and they're happy to take it. But when it comes down to it, they don't want to dole it out. And that is wrong. And I believe all that stuff comes around. What do you think, Laura? Right. Well, I think it does eventually, but but the, 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 the sense of betrayal that you experience when you're going through that, and the financial trauma that you go through when you can't get the money you need to live on or to rebuild your house uh, or you know, to help you with your food expenses, sure. uh, that sense of betrayal adds a layer of trauma to whatever the initial loss is, and it never gets talked about. But now we have an economic disaster. As I was saying, COVID, you have the physical illness itself. You have the mental health issues around the illness. You have the anxiety and depression and um, you have the substance abuse issues that come from that, the feelings of helplessness. You have PTSD that comes from it, medical trauma that comes from that. And then you have the economic catastrophe. So as I said, it's kind of a triple strand pandemic. So you're already in a fragile emotional state and you're supposed to get your check or you're supposed to get your, your food um, you know, coupon from the government. And then you find that they're making you jump through all these hoops and there's all this, uh, and they'll harass you. you know, if, if you hand in your form with black ink instead of blue, blue ink, um, some, uh, some bureaucrat can reject your forms completely. Crazy, and, and that's crazy. Yeah. Right, so it's like harassment by paperwork is yeah. something that happens very often after a tragic event. Um, a national disaster or a, a regional disaster. And it's important that we recognize that this is, this is not you being dramatic. This is a very real and severe emotional hit. And, and we need to be able to find ways of helping ourselves to cope. So for me, the prosperity prayer was really a miracle. Yeah. I mean, it was magic because it took away my fear and anxiety about money. And it, it gave me a sense of hope that you know somewhere, as you said, what goes around comes around. Some somewhere um, down the road there will be justice, and eventually, fortunately, in my case, there was justice. But I know many people who just yeah, you know, they just had to give up and let the bank keep the money and keep the house because they they couldn't they couldn't stand fighting all the time. Right. Well, when you say this prayer, I mean it reminds you that you know the animals do just fine, right? And it reminds us to have faith. 
And faith That's is right. hard. To, faith, faith is a difficult thing. Faith took me a long, long time, and and it's it's hard to have faith in what you can't see. But once you do, um, and you and you say this prayer, and you really believe it in your heart and soul, and that's part of it. And I think that's probably what you did when you believe it, and you know there's a higher power. You know, it helps. It makes you feel a little bit better. It's comforting. It, it does. It, it it gave me a lot of hope, and uh, and it it also allowed me literally to turn my anxiety over. Um, you know, to my angels and just say, look, I, I, this is really scary. I can't deal with it. Yeah. Um, you know, please help me. You guys take it. Right. Yeah. Please okay. Take it. Hey, let's get the last two gifts in before we yeah. got to get out of here for today. Um, the fourth gift is forgiveness, which um, I wrote down from your book when recovering emotionally from a violent event, forgiveness is the elephant in the room. That's right. Forgiveness is uh, it's one of those words that people have a, a, a visceral reaction to. But um, I like to think of forgiveness more as forgiving so that when we step into what it's like to be in a forgiving state, we can be forgiving of our uh, enemy, whatever that, what the perpetrator, uh, we can be forgiving 5% today and 20% tomorrow and 80% down the road. We may never get to 100%, but when we're actively feeling uh, that we are in a forgiving state, it also lessens the pain of what we're carrying. There, there's no question that um, in any disaster, you know, that there are failures of the system to provide for certain people and it can be random. I mean, there are wealthy people who died of COVID the first few months. There are poor people in minority neighborhoods who are literally fighting for their lives uh, with COVID. Some of them, you know, won't make it to the hospital or they won't be able to get treatment because the hospitals are overwhelmed. And so, um, you know, Later on, when when the dust is settled and you're you're kind of um, kind of trying to assess what what the uh, physical and emotional damage is, to be in a more forgiving place and understand that sometimes things are just out of our control, mm-hmm. and when we can be more forgiving, uh, we we can we can let that anger that's part of grieving to kind of it will pass through us instead of getting bottled up and causing other issues for us down the road. Right. So turn the anger into forgiveness. Right. You know, and I always say, you know, you've got to forgive because it's not hurting them. It's hurting you. And right. once you can come to that realization or that awareness that it's for your benefit and not for the other person or the other party or the company or whatever. Um, because when you carry that, I mean, it's just like a burden carrying it, mm-hmm. you know, when you don't forgive somebody and you're holding on to it. Hey, the fifth gift is growth. And I wrote down, we gain knowledge and strength from sad and happy events in our lives and that brings us growth talk about that well when we are uh, we're all growing i mean just being alive you know our cells are regenerating you know every moment we get like a new liver i think every every what 90 days and you know our organs are regenerating um (laughs) Yeah, I think I, I have some of those uh, clinical statistics. I must have missed that. <laughs> so we don't we don't really need to do anything in order to experience growth because we're growing all the time. But there's a certain point of healing where we can look back at the event and we can say, you know, I wish that had never happened. Um, I wish I'd never had to go through that. Uh, I'd never wish it on anybody else. But if I hadn't gone through that, I would never have learned what I needed to learn and I would never be who I am today. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's the gift of growth. 
And when we are in the gift of growth, a lot of things kind of uh, fall into perspective and we begin to, for many people, we begin to use this experience as a catalyst to be able to find new meaning and purpose, um, you know, to redefine what's important to us and to live with a a sense of wholeness um, in the greater community of, of, of just being human. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly because things happen and then they've happened to me. And then I look back and think, well, you know, look what I learned from that experience. I'm a different person because of it. And so, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard down here on earth to, to live this life that we all live. But um, hey, thanks to you for writing this book and for helping us out. You guys, it's called The Five Gifts. And tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Give, give them all your information. Well, thank you. You can get in touch with me through my website, which is laurienadel.com. And uh, the book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And uh, there's a Kindle copy available. I believe there's an ebook copy available. And there is, um, I just say that there are many used copies available. um, If I know this is a difficult time for people. Um, So there are many used copies available at less, less than the retail cost. Um, so I hope that you'll find it uh, helpful in getting through the uh, difficult times that we have now and probably for a little while to come. Yeah, unfortunately. Hey, Lori, thanks for coming on the show. I really thank appreciate you for it. having me. I, yeah. really, I really appreciate you. And yeah. uh, I love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, guys, until next week, this is Nancy Yearout. This is Hiro T Humanity, and we'll see you next time. Everybody have a great week and take care. Hey, you guys, join me next week on The High Road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. Have a fabulous week and know that by staying on The High Road, you will make it to your destination. Visit my website, nancyyearout.com, where you can book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities. And check out my YouTube channel. It's Nancy Yearout's High Road to Humanity. You can achieve your goal